At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Good evening, Rifters! This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Remy, Dungeon Master and a player on the Riftwake podcast. I'm Mitch, a player on Riftwake and the guy taking over for Nathan, if you haven't figured that out by now. <laughs> and today's topic is Decanter of Endless Water. Mitch, what is that thing I just said? It's a decanter with unlimited water. What's a decanter? <laughs> uh, I've only ever seen them with alcohol. <laughs> it's basically a big flask or something. I mean, most times that I see that word used is that, yeah, it's a glass vessel usually used to serve wine. In D&D, though, it's not super well-defined. However, the image that is used for this magic item does appear to be a transparent material with, like, a metallic base and spout. But, yeah, it is a container that is an unlimited supply of water. It is truly endless. So, that can mean a lot of different things. Do you know the actual detailed mechanics of the item? Nope. So, this isn't necessarily just like you you know open the cap pour it and it just keeps pouring it actually has a bit of fun options to it so decanter of endless water it is an uncommon magic item this stoppered flask sloshes when shaken as if it contains water weighs two pounds you can use an action to remove the stopper and speak one of three command words Whereupon an amount of fresh water or salt water, your choice, pours out of the flask. The water stops pouring out at the start of your next turn. Choose from the following options. And uh, so the first word for all of these is in quotes. So this is the command word. So stream produces one gallon of water. Fountain produces five gallons of water. Geyser produces... 30 gallons of water that gushes forth in a geyser 30 feet long and one foot wide. 
As a bonus action while holding the decanter, you can aim the geyser at a creature you can see within 30 feet of you. The target must succeed on a DC 13 strength saving throw, or take 1d4 bludgeoning damage and fall prone. Instead take of a that, creature, you hippie. <laughs> instead of a creature, you can target an object that isn't being worn or carried and that weighs no more than 200 pounds. The object is either knocked over or pushed up to 15 feet away from you. So this is a magic item that really has an amazing amount of versatility to it. So first things first, it is an uncommon magic item that just means you as a DM or a party of players never have to keep track of water supply anymore. So this is generally a very good thing in my opinion. But just for the sake of completeness, can you think of any situation where it would be inconvenient to know that your party has one of these magic items? Ah, uh, you're pitting them up against a fire elemental. I mean, I would think this would be a fantastic thing for them. Not if you're trying to kill. Um, that's a separate debate. DMs no DM would ever do that, right? Uh, <laughs> right, def definitely not. Nathan. Uh, but what about just from a drama perspective while playing the game? Desert. Desert. There are a lot of places in D&D worlds that don't usually have a sufficient quantity of water. So having one of these in the party completely eliminates any amount of potential drama that can occur by just having a finite resource. So yeah, there's still going to be rations, but even in the worst case scenario, you know, the you can go a couple of days without water, but you can go, I said that wrong, uh, you can go weeks without food, but only days without water. So if you still have water, even if you have no food, you'll still be okay for a while. But if you don't have any water, then even if you have food, then that timer goes from weeks to days. So it becomes a much harsher limit for better and for worse. But if you do have a decanter, well, you're set on water. So I mentioned also that when you do use one of those three command words, it gushes out and then stops at the start of your next turn. So what does that mean in terms of time? Six seconds. Yeah. So every round of combat, you're able to produce that quantity of water. So if a, a geyser is able to produce 30 gallons of water every round, like how many people can one decanter sustain? A lot. A lot. So this is where we are going to get into a long tangent and honestly probably a good chunk of the meat of this episode and just why this is indeed one of my favorite magic items because of just the sheer level of ridiculousness that occurs with the use of this thing. So, this is one of those magic items that I declare to be a world-changing magic item because the sheer quantity of water that this thing is able to produce is insane. So, math time! 30 gallons every round. So, 6 seconds a round, that means 10 rounds a minute. That is 300 gallons a minute that one uncommon magic item is able to produce. So before I actually get to the further math, 
Mitch, what is the limitation on use of this item? Uh, you mean besides just speaking spell? <laughs> yeah. That's it, pretty much. That's it. That's fucking it. So, theoretically, if you just had some guy who just was, you know, the water speaker, and, like, their job is just to have, like, three dudes on eight-hour shifts to just say geyser over and over and over every six seconds, you can have one magic item produce truly endless water. And, of course, me being me, I did the math. So, 300 gallons a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 18,000 gallons an hour, 432,000 gallons of water a day, 157,680,000 gallons a year. One year for one uncommon magic item produces 157,680,000 gallons of fresh water using that option. You know, if you want a uh, real-world comparison, a two-and-a-half-inch fire hose is about 300 gallons a minute, too. Well, that would explain the bludgeoning damage and being able to push objects away. So, yeah. Imagine you're in an Arctic tundra and you get hosed down with one of those. Oh, God, that would suck. I mean, not to mention, just even if you don't fall prone just from the normal, just being wet and that much more likely to slip. God, this thing would be devastating. <laughs> Anywhere slippery. Just combine this with the grease spell. Anyway. So, I asked a question earlier and purposely tangent. The question that I had asked was, how many people can one magic item sustain? Okay. So now let's time to actually do some research and look at some other math. So how much water does an average person use? You're talking just for everyday living or specifically consumption? No, just for all total, like for your entire just normal everyday living. It's been a while since I looked at my water usage on my house, but I think it's uh, only like 14 gallons a month for me. That's... Well below average. So apparently the average nowadays is somewhere between 60 to 100 gallons per person per day. And that includes showers, that includes like plumbing and sewage and just everything like that goes on throughout an entire modern life that is just, you, you know, distributed down to the person level. So let's, for the sake of argument, think, okay... You know, that is modern society where we've got all kinds more plumbing available than might be available in a D&D world. I would debate that, but I'm purposefully lowering the efficiency just to prove just how bullshit this is. So I actually did some research about the aqueducts of Rome, because obviously that is technology that is older than the time period that most people assume D&D to take place in. And even then, ancient Rome, like, use, and they had, like, the Roman baths, like, they actually had a much higher water use than modern society that averaged out to around 200 gallons per person per day. So, let's do a little bit more math. So, we ha- even have that nice handy-dandy number per day, 432,000 gallons. 
So all we need to do then is divide that by 200 gallons a person, and you come out to 2,160 people. So if you assume low efficiency, one decanter of endless water can provide enough water for 2,160 people. That is insane. Where things can get potentially more interesting, though, is if you think about the implications of that. Because what makes this different than normal water use within a city? You mean besides this magical source? Yeah, no, that's exactly the thing. Normally, you can only have a town or city in a place with a large source of fresh water because humans need that to live and to farm and all the other just trappings of life in a society. What this does is remove that need to have a natural source of fresh water. So also, just some interesting thing to think about regarding this, one of these is able to sustain 2,160 people. Again, using that purposefully low-efficiency number. What limitation would there be on potentially having more of these things? Would there be a limit? Cost. Cost? How much does one of these things cost? Well, I don't know, Kent. You tell me. <laughs> well, that's where things get kind of silly again. This is an uncommon magic item. It does not require attunement. So, uncommon, using the rules from Xanathar specifically, requires 200 gold to make. So let's even just, for the sake of argument, assume that there are no crafters, but you're still able to just find someone who's willing to make and sell them to you. So let's just say, for just an average sake for math, that they'll sell them for double the creation cost, so 400 gold each. So 400 gold for an uncommon magic item is normal. Like the normal, like the average price for that is 101 gold to 500 is, you know, the magic item price that is listed just for uncommon. So 400 is, you know, on the high side of average, which I think actually works out for this argument. So, okay, 400 gold each. But again, one of these things is able to sustain 2,160 people forever. <laughs> because again, there's no goddamn limitation on this thing. So even if you assume the false assumption that, you know, all D&D &D individuals just have no amount of gold, well, that, that's still not exactly accurate. But anyway, that's an argument for another day. But Let's assume that, you know, people are taxed for their share of a decanter of endless water. How much do you think it would actually come out to if you divided the cost, that 400 gold, into, let's also round down. Let's just say some people just can't, you know, be found to get taxed or they just flat out refuse or can't, like, whatever, whatever the reasons. So let's just assume 2,000 out of the 2,160 are actually going to pay. What does that come out to if you divide that 400 gold amongst 2,000 people? Was that like half a gold? Not even. So, quick refresher, 400 gold is 40,000 copper. So that means then it would come down to either 20 copper or 2 silver, just depending on your preference. 
So yeah, two silver per person for permanent 200 gallons of water a day. Man, I'm math bad. Great. Now I look stupid on, <laughs> on the but, internet. <laughs> oh, no. That's definitely something that's never happened to Nathan and I. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but, yeah. Two silver per person would be the average contribution to be able to get a decanter of endless water for everyone. And again, because this is purposefully getting scaled per person, that means then that there's no limit to the scaling for this. So if you wanted to have just some giant city, you know, let's just say you have, you know, 100,000 people, which, sure, why not? Then all you need to do then is just multiply that by two to get the silver. So yeah, it just doesn't matter. You can just have every single part like you could even say the cost of citizenship is like five silver or whatever just to overpay the taxes and then that would contribute massively to the amount of water that's able to be produced you know whatever other services a city might have like it is ridiculous how easily this all scales up but the simple math two silver per person can supply any size place with decanters of endless water and again, because of the fact that we are purposefully assuming inefficiency, that would also mean that there is a bit of surplus in the actual amount of water available, which would also mean then that like, as new people are moving in, there is some leeway still between the scaling of like, okay, yeah, you know, like we have 37 decanters now, and then like as we have more people moving in, we can use their contributions to get the 38th just to keep up the water production. So you're supplying jobs to have the water speakers. You're just creating, you know, work to have, you know, water towers built, aqueducts, you know, canals, whatever it is that you decide of how to transport this water. But again, I would argue that the most important bit of information, though, is the fact that this is a magical water source without limit so here's where i really think it gets interesting from the world building perspective you don't need a natural water source mitch can you tell me what is the main limitation on where cities are through earth's history rivers lakes ocean yeah sources of water so by removing that limitation through this magic you have removed that limitation so you can then have cities anywhere. If you want to have just a giant city, like on the side of a mountain that has just great mineral resources, but might not have had, you know, access to water, you can have this massive mining city that is just kept fueled by decanters of endless water. And then just have that. So this removes any amount of limitations that a dungeon master has of, wait, how the fuck can there be a city there without water? Or wait, like you haven't drawn any amount of rivers or lakes on your world map, so there's, there's no water to be able to sustain a city there. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, 
innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You as a DM, if you just make use of just this canonical item without homebrewing anything about it, just as written, all of these numbers are as written, then you can just use this to just put cities anywhere on your map. And if someone does ask you, well, wait, how can they sustain themselves here without access to fresh water? Fuck you, decanters of endless water for the win. (laughs) Because... It does indeed just allow a city to be anywhere. If you want to make just like a massive city in the middle of the goddamn desert, you could just have a couple more decanters. Because again, the per person price is so insanely cheap that even if you just double the number in order to sustain desert life, like this is the kind of thing that, okay, I'm a big picture DM. This is known. Where things get a little funny for me. Hey, Mitch, what happens when you have a lot of moisture in the desert? I was muted. (laughs) Floods? I don't know. Well, not exactly necessarily, but that water is going to evaporate, and that evaporation is going to accumulate. That accumulation is going to condense in the air into clouds, and those clouds are going to cause rain. So this is the kind of thing that, if you do fully scale it up, can really fuck with weather because you are just introducing more moisture into the world and like you can go just big picture nuts if you do just take that to you know logical or illogical conclusions so this is the kind of thing that just from the world building perspective like you can have fun with it and just put cities anywhere but then if you think about it let's say you have 20 cities of people that are just fully fueled by decanters of endless water and then you just have a couple million people between all of those cities that are just using this created water like this summoned water like one of the kind of neat things there is not anything canonically written about where this water comes from so this is something that you can and again you don't have to but you can decide to just give a source to like does it truly create the water from nothing does it just summon the water from somewhere in the world that there is just like this one just massive underground lake or you know flow of water that all of this is just pulling from and that could cause some repercussions but you know the mages making the items might probably don't know that you know, or, you know, maybe it's just like micro portals into the plane of water that just is just summoning this massive amount of water into the material plane from elsewhere. And then you just suddenly, if you think about that, wait a minute. So that means we're just literally pulling more water on a massive scale into the world. 
like that's like a sea level issue when you get to that point and then you have to start thinking wait does that mean that like there's going to be some level of sea rise just because of the fact that you are pulling so much massive quantities of water into the material plane do you then need to actually combat that by just like creating a massive just drain at the bottom of the ocean to just balance out the summiting like maybe you could even just like have the have this be one of those like ancient magical phenomena that isn't well known like imagine you have like the classic like D massive fucking whirlpool somewhere in the ocean there's just this one permanent whirlpool and then you know eventually like you either have players get stuck in it or you have just some adventure to explore it and just you finally are able to learn that whirlpool was actually purposefully built millennia ago by ancient wizards in order to balance out the decanters of endless water that were continually just raising the sea level that you have this massive whirlpool that's actually just a drain back to the plane of water Really, like, just raising the the water level is not even the only issue you'd have. Like, no, eventually it would, would be it would create an ice age because uh, you're going to get it, too much moisture in the air, mm-hmm. too much cloud cover. Temperature is going to start plummeting. Polar ice caps are going to start expanding. Well, to be fair, also there would be some amount of variability too, depending on exactly where, because maybe it is just one particularly populated continent that makes use of that, and then you just have that one continent that gets the weather fucked with. So it may not be. A worldwide ice age it might just be some amount of you know change there it, but it of would course, eventually be a world, worldwide thing yeah. the longer they go it very well could and like that's the kind of thing that like you could literally have a goddamn ice age in your world caused by excessive use of an uncommon magic item that is bullshit in the best way possible <laughs> and it, it's just so much fun for me just to think of so the many many implications just of the existence and use of this thing because again it is an uncommon magic item so theoretically like you could have a lot of these just getting cranked out you know by magic item crafters you know whatever that looks like in your world but just by rules as written the numbers of this are just bullshit and i love it like, so when I say this is a world-changing magic item, I hope that now you understand that that is literal in more ways than one. But before we wrap up, there is another aspect of it which is worth mentioning. So we know that the decanter of endless water exists and can just create liquid. Just We don't know where it comes from, so as far as we're generally aware, it just makes it. Is there another magic item that just makes liquids? Uh, the endless flask of potato soup. No, no, that was just Nathan reskinning the decanter. <laughs> I mean, canonical. Canonically, no idea. Alchemy jug. Oh, yeah. The thing we, we were talking about, about earlier. That, that, yes, that's why I brought it up, because it's relevant. So the alchemy jug is another magic item that exists, but is a, has a trade-off of less output in exchange for more variety. However, what the alchemy jug does is it proves that some amount of other things are able to be conjured besides just water. So what I propose to you now, Mitch, is to think, 
what other things would be interesting to have an endless version of? KY. In D&D, <laughs> using canonical examples. Bad uh... Mitch. <laughs> Don't you uh, dare that, say that, the first that. thing you said. Hmm. You mean besides mayonnaise? Uh, <laughs> isn't acid one of the options too? It is, in fact. You yeah. could make eight ounces of acid with the alchemy drug. So, Beer. okay, let's think about that for a sec. Imagine if an adventuring party or other people in a D&D world that aren't your party just had an endless acid decanter. Can you think of some uh, potential repercussions for such a thing? You mean besides general tomfoolery? I mean, I don't know that general tomfoolery is what I would be afraid of. More like massive amounts of murder, corpse disposal, and all kinds of other terrible things. Yeah, yeah but you could also use it for trash disposal and stuff. And, I mean, True. Like, I'm not saying better that, than that a landfill. wouldn't be nice uses, but it, this is something that I would be very afraid of for most adventuring parties that I've known to have their hands on. <laughs> Wait, are you afraid somebody's going to murder hobo everything? Yes! <laughs> yes, I do! <laughs> do you not? Oh, no, definitely would. <laughs> so, another aspect, though, like, even just sticking with acid, even if you don't think about it from just the danger perspective, which I do, how valuable is acid? Yeah, it depends on what kind of acid. I mean, D and D acid. Uh, well, I guess I'm thinking of it from like a real world perspective. No, just D and D acid is acid. Hmm. It's unrealistic. We know. We know. I, I don't know D and D costs of okay. like anything. So one vial of acid. So the amount that would be like one turn's worth uh, is a vial of acid, twenty five gold. So having a decanter of anything that it has value becomes troublesome immediately because it essentially means infinite wealth. Because all you got to do is just buy a fuck ton of vials and just fill them with, you know, acid or poison or just whatever Man things is. have value. Man is. You need larger. Yes. Yeah. It's still upsetting to me. I hate that that's there. But yeah, like, but again, acid is not the most valuable thing that like is on the list in the alchemy jug able to be magically created. But even so, 25 gold for six seconds of effort. So that would mean at every minute you would have theoretically 250 gold worth of acid. So every minute, 250 gold worth of acid would able to be poured out. So even though I do truly believe that it is okay to have homebrew expanded options for a decanter of endless other things, it is something that should be cautioned by the dungeon master for both the potential damage and the potential value that that can put in the hands of whoever has such an item. So this is actually yet another thing that I don't know that Nathan has ever actually noticed, but he did give us, you know, endless flasks. This is something that he made canonical in Riftwake. And this is something that we immediately, like even Caden, without thinking about it, 
he put a very high quality mead into that and then immediately started sharing it with everyone else in the pub. So <laughs> even though that was considered to be, you know, quote unquote, only one gold per, uh, per, you know, mug of mead, considering that he did immediately just go around filling and refilling everybody, like he probably just lost well, not lost, but he had the per, the owner of the place they were in just lose out on massive amounts of business to the tune of potentially up to 100 gold, which for commoners is a fucking lot. So if you consider that even with something relatively cheap, like, you know, some form of decent alcohol, like that gets crazy very, very quickly. But... Again, just to play devil's advocate with myself for, for a moment, do you think that it would be fun to have a decanter of endless beer? Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. That is the kind of shit that if you did just make your players aware of something specific like that, they would love to have something like that. That is the kind of thing that if you have like a dwarf in the party particularly, or if you do have like some dwarf NPCs that you interact with regularly, like that could be just a massively just desired item, even discounting any amount of value. So that is the kind of thing that I think would be the better focus for homebrew versions of an endless decanter. Because again, if you have something valuable, that can get troublesome very quickly. So to play devil's advocate yet again, however, do you, Mitch, think that there would be reasonable times or just reasonable reasons, perhaps, to put an endless decanter of something valuable into a D&D game? Uh, I don't see why it would really be an issue throwing something like that in a game. Well, I mean, like, if you really care about like global economics or anything in your in your <laughs> universe, then then yeah. But really, long term, eh, go nuts. Yeah. So this is the kind of thing that I think could actually be interesting to use, but is also something that a DM should just be aware of these potential risks. I'm not saying don't make endless acid. I'm just saying be aware of the potential repercussions that can exist. So again, we have canonical example of the alchemy jug that there can be just magically created materials here. However, you could choose to nerf it because the alchemy jug does have a much more finite volume that it can use. And the thing is, other conjura conjuration items have a different type of limitation that, for example, once more than a specific amount has been poured out, then like the oldest previous example evaporates. Because again, this is magic. If you want to put arbitrary restrictions, you can do that. Like that becomes difficult to keep track of, though. So even though that is also a canonical option, like, I wouldn't necessarily lean that way. So here's what I would actually suggest you do. Use decanters of endless water everywhere because they're awesome. And then just make laws exist in your D&D world that you shouldn't have certain endless other things. 
because I imagine that law enforcement wouldn't be super pleased with the existence of endless acid or endless poison. That doesn't have terribly many non-evil uses. I won't say none, but less. So if you just have laws in place to have that kind of restriction, but to allow endless water, endless beer, endless mayonnaise, <laughs> you can do that. And I think that that wouldn't be like troublesome. So don't have it be a magical restriction, but have it be a legal restriction, which then can also mean that there are going to be some of those things in the world, because there's always going to be people who just don't want to follow such a law, like just out of spite, if nothing else, even in disregarding everything else. So that is the canonical example. Just for funsies, can you think of any other just interesting things that could be used with an endless decanter that isn't on a canonical list? Potato soup. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Hot potato soup. Why not? Something with plenty of nutrition that is, you know, comforting going down. Yes, there's a reason that that was something that we decided to use with our own endless blast. So another one that I've actually uh, just had come up in my own world, vampires, you know, they always need some amount of blood. Annoyingly for me in D&D, there is not any actual description of how much blood a vampire needs, really. But they need some amount. But if you do have this ability to just magically create fluids, so a vampire in my world was able to create a decanter of endless blood. Uh, it required a rather considerable amount of sacrifice to create, but hey, worth it for them in the long run. So now there is a decanter of endless blood in my world that is pretty much a holy grail now for vampires, because if any vampire is able to get their hands on that thing, then they're set for eternity, which is a terrifying thing to think about, because most of the time, vampires get caught because they have to actively, you know, hunt and get fresh blood. But if they're able to not need that anymore, then you can just have a vampire that just goes into isolation for decades or centuries at a time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.